give you glory today, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Well, give him praise today. Give him glory for all the things that he's done. Amen. Praise the Lord. You have your Bibles with you today. Amen. Hopefully you do. Amen. Got a Bible or an electronic device or something that you got the scriptures on. You want to hold it up, whatever you got your word on. Amen. Praise God. Well, good. Praise the Lord. Yeah, but Brother Rick, you have it on the screen. Well, hey, the screen may go out. <laughs> you need to look at it, all right? Turn with me to Psalm 63 this morning. Amen. Psalm 63, and I'm going to read from that psalm, verses 1 through 8 this morning. And I want to talk to you on the thought of going hard after God. Going hard after God. I think it's so important today for us as believers in, in my life. I see the need in my life. And I, as a pastor, as the under-shepherd here of this church, I, I see the need in all of us, of all of us, pursuing God in a greater way than we ever have before. Amen. And... Um, we, we, we must have that intense desire for more of Jesus. Has anybody here got a desire for more of God, more of Jesus, more of His Spirit, more, more, more? I just want more when it comes to the things of God. I can't get enough of Jesus. Amen. You need to be that way as well. So in Psalm 63, we see David is, is pursuing after God. And in verse 1, it says this, O God, Thou art my God, early will I seek Thee. My soul thirsts for Thee, my flesh longeth for Thee in a dry and thirsty land where no water is, to see Thy power and Thy glory so as I have seen thee in the sanctuary, because thy loving kindness is better than life, my lips shall praise thee, and thus will I bless thee while I live. I will lift up my hands in thy name. My soul shall be satisfied as with morrow and fatness, and my mouth shall praise thee with joyful lips. When I remember thee upon my bed and meditate on thee in the night watches, because thou hast been my help, therefore in the shadow of your wings will I rejoice. My soul followeth hard after thee, thy right hand upholdeth thee. And again, verse 8, my soul followeth hard after thee. Thee, my, thy right hand upholds me. Amen. Father, I thank you for your word today. Add your blessing today 
to the reading of your word, and may the anointing of the Holy Spirit be upon us. Help me today to minister to your people, to teach, to preach, to share the word of God with this church in Jesus' name, with your church, and I thank you for it. Amen. And everybody said amen and amen. I don't know if anybody's like me, but probably you have at one time or another really had something in your life that you have pursued after. You have gone hard after uh, something that you wanted in life more than you even wanted life itself. I mean, it was a desire of something that just totally consumed your life. I think we've all had those kind of desires at one time or another in our life. I mean, maybe it was a, a new job that you wanted and you really pursued after that or a promotion on the job that you have. Maybe it was something like a new car or a, a new home that you just really desired, a contract maybe that would make or break your business. And so you just had to have that. And so you uh, pursued after that. Maybe you even had a weight loss goal. We'll all have those the 1st of January. Amen. A weight loss goal that you pursued after. Whatever it may be, it could be a number of different things, but something that you've had in your life that you really wanted so desperately, so badly that you pursued after it with all of your heart. And you gave it your best effort to get what you desired and what you wanted. You focused all of your energies upon it. You gave it everything that you had. It was something that just totally consumed your thoughts and your mind. And you thought about it day and night and then probably devised some kind of a plan or a strategy to obtain it or to get it. And I've thought about that, and when it comes to the natural things in life, how we've all had those desires and sought after them. But what would happen if we gave that same kind of an effort that we give to our natural pursuits in life to going after the things of God? What would happen if we had such a zeal and such a desire for God and for the things of God that we would pursue it and go after it with all of our heart, with everything that was within us, just like we would go after and do go after many natural things in life? I mean, I believe if we had that desire and did that and went after the Lord in that manner, my, how it would affect us in our life, how it would affect our families and our home and even our church when we would make such an all-out effort to pursue God with all of our heart and with everything that is within us. I believe if we had such a desire for that and such a, a, a drive and a pursuit for the things of God that it would literally turn our lives and our homes and our church and our community upside down for the Lord Jesus Christ. I believe that's the kind of zeal and the kind of pursuit and desire and, 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 and thirst for God that that early church had. And I think that's why you see such a move of God in that book of Acts and that early church because of the desire and the pursuit and the seeking after the Lord that they had. Now, that is the desire. I tell you, I've got a desire for things in my life, for the things of God in my life. But you know what? I have a desire also for this church. And as your uh, pastor today, my desire is for us as a church to move to a higher level in, a relation, in our relationship as a church with God. Do you know that it's easy for a church to get stuck? <laughs> 
How many knows that? It's easy for us to get stuck in our individual lives and walk with God, but it's also it's easy for the church to get stuck and to get stagnant and to get in a place of apathy and complacency. And I don't want us to be that way. And I'm not saying that that's where we're at as a church, but my desire is to see Abundant Life Family Church move to a greater level and a higher level with the Lord. And my desire is that we do not ever get stuck, that we don't get in a place where we become complacent or we become, you know, satisfied with where we're at. I have satisfaction in Jesus, but I'm not satisfied with where I am in my walk with the Lord. I believe we should always, every one of us, continually be drawing closer and closer to God all the time. We're not going to reach that, uh, that apex or that place of complete, total maturity in the Lord and perfection in the Lord until the trumpet of God sounds and we are glorified and changed and caught up to be with Jesus. Amen. Then we will have obtained what God has desired for our life. Then we will be that perfect man, that perfect individual, that perfect church when we're caught up to be with the Lord. But right now we need to be pursuing the a greater, higher walk with the Lord. That old song we used to sing years ago that says, Lord, lift me up and let me stand by faith on heaven's table land. A higher place than I have found. Lord, plant my feet on higher ground. I want to be on that higher ground today. Can I get an amen? I want this church to be on that higher ground today. Praise God. And I believe God desires to take us to a greater place in Him than what we are currently now. Amen? Praise God. Now, we've been enjoying the blessings of the Lord here at Abundant Life Church. We enjoy the presence of God in our services. And the Lord has been and is meeting with us in a wonderful and a powerful way. I've had people just last week, new people that have come into this church that have told me um, after the service how that they felt and sensed the presence of the Lord as soon as they walked in the doors. Amen. And, and uh, man, I tell you, that makes a pastor feel good because if there's anything that I want and desire is the presence presence of God to be manifested here in this church. I want people to come in and sense the presence of the Lord. Amen. They're not walking into a to a cafe. They're not walking into a coffee shop out in the front or anything like that. But they are walking into a place where the presence and the power and the glory of God are. And that is what we need more than anything. And I can't I can't help but feel that even though the presence of God is moving in the way that he is and we're experiencing some powerful churches, uh, church services, I can't help but feel that there is still something more, something higher, something better, something greater that God has for Abundant Life Family Church. My heart today as a pastor, my desire is to see more people saved. I believe we're living in a day when God wants to bring in a harvest. He's preparing his church for the coming of the Lord. 
He's preparing us for the rapture. And, I, and my desire is to see more people saved, to see lives changed, to see bondages broken and addictions broken off of people's life and to see uh, more believers filled and baptized with the precious Holy Ghost, with the evidence of speaking in other tongues. How many want to see that? Amen? I desire that today, and I believe that every true pastor desires that. Of course we have a desire to see a numerical growth. Of course we have a desire to see more people come, you know. But listen, my, my desire today is not just to see numbers or to have numbers just to say we had numbers. My desire, if there's going to be an increase in numbers, let it be sinners coming in and getting born again and getting saved and, and, and turning their lives over to Jesus Christ. There'll be backsliders coming back to Jesus and giving their hearts and, the, and their lives to the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the desire that I have today as a pastor. And, and in Psalm 63 that, that David penned here that I read to you this morning, um, this psalm explains what it means to go hard after God. David made that statement in verse 8 when he said, My soul follows hard after you. My right, your right hand upholds me. And so that's my desire. I want my soul to follow hard after the Lord today. I desire for you as believers here in Abundant Life Family Church to follow hard after God. And, and I, I can't, we can't, and I'll get to this in a minute, but we can't get to the place where we're complacent and say, Well, I've got all of the Lord and all of the spirit and all of God that I need and sometimes people get that way they get in that position they get in that place and that's not what where we want to be and so David here in this psalm explains what it means to go hard after God and also in this psalm we have kind of an instruction manual so to speak on how to go about it and in this psalm, he gives us three conditions of seeking God, of going hard after the Lord. And they're found, most of it, right here in verse number 1. And I have some, I have some material on all uh, eight of these verses, so you, you may have to come back tonight to get the rest of it, all right? But I want to give you what the Lord, I believe, has for us here this morning. And the first thing we need to know that this psalm points out is that if we're going to go hard after God and have more of God, we first have to have a place of reference and we have to know where we currently are. Right? I, I don't think that you can ever advance unless you know where you're at. You've got to see where you're at right at the moment. And in the heading, there's a superscription. I don't know. I, I'm assuming all of your Bibles have it. But it's uh, right under where it says Psalm 63 before verse 1 starts. But it gives a superscription here at the beginning of this psalm. And it tells, the, uh, tells us when David wrote this psalm. And it tells us the setting in which he penned this. And it says it's a psalm of David when he was in the wilderness of Judah. 
a psalm of David when he was in the wilderness of Judah. So David wrote this psalm. The occasion of this writing was when he was in the desert place, in a wilderness place in Judah. And David knew where he was. He was all too well aware of where he was. David was in a desert place. He was actually fleeing from Saul. He was on the run. He was being persecuted. He had had he was not in Jerusalem. He was not in the temple. He was away from that place and he was fleeing and he was on the run. And he was in a desert place or a wilderness situation. In verse number 1 there, David describes the place that he was in as being a dry and a thirsty land where there is no water. So literally David was in a dry place. Everybody say dry place. Has anybody ever been in a dry place? I, I see a lot of heads going up and down. And, amen. Uh, but we've all been in a dry place. And I'll be perfectly honest with you. I don't like to be in the dry place. Amen. Churches go through dry spells. Churches go through dry experiences. And David here was in a dry place. He was in a wilderness experience. We go, you know, he, it, not only literally... David was not only literally, and he was literally in a desert, but not only literally, he was also spiritually in a dry place in his walk with the Lord. And so here's the thing, ladies and gentlemen, we have to recognize where we're at. We have to have a point of reference and to know where we're at. And we, until we come to that place where we recognize just how dry and weary we really are, we'll never take the steps to do so something to correct the situation. Are you following me? See, David knew the situation for what it was. He was in a dry, weary, waterless land and he needed God to help him. He needed to quench his spiritual thirst. And there's so many today, many Christians that are in that desert place spiritually and they don't even know it. Here's the danger. Are you following me? Here's the dangerous place. is to be. It's bad enough to be in that place of a wilderness spiritual situation. It's bad enough to be in that spiritual dryness. It's bad enough to be in a spiritual famine. But to not realize it, to be oblivious to the fact, is the danger that so many are in. There are so many today within the church and within churches all over this nation that are living in... In a spiritual mirage, so to speak. Everybody knows what a mirage is, you know. A mirage is something that appears real, but in fact is not so. And if you've ever watched any old westerns of those guys that are, that are lost in the desert, you know, if you've ever watched The Rifleman when Lucas McCain was wandering out in the desert and didn't have any water, and they begin to see things that are not there. And they begin to see a mirage where it appears that there's a big pool of water ahead and I've even seen them on those shows run and dive into it and it just be nothing but sand. There was something that appeared to be there but it wasn't there and there's so many that accept as fact things that are just a figment of their imaginations. They see things that are not really there. They believe things about themselves that just aren't true. Come on now, listen to me. They, they, they feel like that 
that they're okay with the Lord, that they're all right with God, that they're in the place God wants them to be, but, but really it's a mirage because they are in a spiritual desert and a spiritual wilderness. That's why I'm saying today that we've got to be like David and come to that place where we understand, where we take an inventory, where we know for sure where we're at with the Lord and if we're in that desert place that we will seek hard after God to get out of that desert place and get a refreshment and a reviving in our souls. Amen? So many today, and there's churches today that are that are like that church at Laodicea, that lukewarm church. And I do believe that we're living in that Laodicean church age and church period. And we all are familiar with that church. That was the seventh church that Jesus sent a message to, that church at Laodicea. And one of the things he said to that church was, he said, you say, you say I am rich. I am increased with goods. In other words, I've become wealthy and I have need of nothing. See, there is the dangerous place to be in, ladies and gentlemen, when we get in that place where we say, I'm okay, I'm fine, I have need of nothing. Those words, I have need of nothing, are some dangerous words to come from the mouth of a child of God because I'm telling you today, we all have spiritual needs in our life. We need more. We can't get enough. We've got to go hard after the things of God like we never have before in these last days in which we live today. Their evaluation of their life was, I'm fine, we're great, we've got all of our bills paid, we've got a beautiful church, we've got money in the bank, we have wealth, we have riches. And there's been a lot of, uh, there's been a lot of emphasis in the last 25 years or so put on the wealth of the church and the material things of the church. But this is what, where this Laodicean church was at. But Jesus said to them, here was Jesus' evaluation of the church at Laodicea. He said, my evaluation of you is not what you appear to be or what you think yourself to be, but he said, what you are, you don't know that you are wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. This church was in a spiritual mirage. They were seeing things about themselves that, that, that weren't true, that weren't right. And Jesus brings them to reality and tells them that they are not where they ought to be. Listen, it's not in the fine buildings that we have. I thank God for this church. I thank God for this facility all the time and where God's brought us from and where God's brought us to. And, and God has blessed us with this. But Lord, listen to me, saints of God, Abundant Life Church. We cannot lose what birthed us, what, what began us, what started us. We were birthed in the fire of the Holy Ghost and the move of the Holy Ghost and the power of the Holy Ghost and we cannot and will not lose that we must go hard after God and the things of God and never become complacent. Amen? 
sometimes at a church we can have a false perception and we can think, well, because God's presence is in our services and people can feel freely enter into worship and praise, we may assume that everything is okay and that everything is all right. But listen to me today. We must allow the Holy Spirit to minister to us, to open our eyes, to reveal to us just how dry, weary, and threadbare we really are. We have got to allow the Holy Spirit to show us how much more of Him that we need in our lives. We cannot, we must not become complacent in our walk with God, but every day we need to take time to say, Holy Spirit, search me. Holy Spirit, examine me. Holy Spirit, show me where I need improvement and help me to be the man of the woman of God that I need to be in these last days. Oh, come on. I guess I'm saying we need to do like all the businesses do. We need to take an inventory every once in a while. We need to look around and say, look, Lord, where are we at as a church? Are our souls finding God in our altars? Are sinners uh, being saved? Are sinners forsaking their sins and turning to God? Are people being delivered from addictions and bondages and strongholds of the enemy? Are lives being changed by the power of the Holy Spirit? These are all things that should be and must be taking place within a Pentecostal full gospel church. Can I get an amen? Hallelujah. You agree with that? Are believers being filled with the Holy Ghost? Hallelujah. Are, they, are, there, are there people being baptized in the Holy Spirit on a regular basis? And we've had several recently, lately, in the last few months that have received the Holy Spirit. And I want to stress this this morning. If you are a Christian, if you are born again, and you are a child of God, you haven't got everything that God has for you. He wants you to be also baptized with the Holy Ghost and speak with other tongues as a spirit. Spirit of God gives you the utterance. You need that prayer language today. You need that added power of the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. My brother and I were just talking about this before the service today. Amen. About so many churches that are pushing that to the side. One Pentecostal full gospel pastor that told him, No, I won't preach on the Holy Spirit. I don't want the moving of the Holy Spirit. And there's a lot of churches in the Pentecostal ranks today, sadly to say, and I'm I'm not throwing mud on anybody, but listen to me. If we're full gospel Pentecostal believers today, we must preach and we must teach and we must believe and we must practice, hallelujah, being filled with the Holy Ghost and teach others to be filled with the Holy Ghost. Man, I remember when I got saved, hallelujah, those, those old timers got a hold of me after I got born again, and I was just excited to be saved. And they said, you ain't done yet, son. You got some more to go. You, got to, you need the Holy Ghost. You need to be filled with the Spirit. 
And uh, I knew what they were talking about. But you know what? Here was the thing, though, that I can think back and remember. I had a desire for the Holy Ghost. I had a thirst. I'm getting ahead of myself in my message. But I had a thirst for the things of God and for the Spirit of God. And praise God, one Sunday night, about two months, I guess it was. Not one quite that, but almost two months after I'd gotten born again on a Sunday night. Thank God for Sunday night church. Everybody say, thank God for Sunday night church. On a Sunday night, praise God, around the around that altar area those saints gathered around me and they wouldn't turn me loose or let me go they had their hands on me they was all praying for me to be filled with the Holy Ghost and praise God that I can still remember to this day as many years ago as it's been when the power of God hit me and the Holy Ghost filled me and I began to speak in tongues as the Spirit of God gave the utterance my Lord, my Lord, my Lord hallelujah what an experience with God. We need to see believers filled with the Holy Ghost. Sick bodies healed. People baptized. Hallelujah. God let us take an inventory of our life. I'm trying to I'm trying to move on and calm down. If I get too far away from here, I get I get on too many rabbit trails. I guess that's okay as long as it's a good rabbit trail. Amen. But we must have, ladies and gentlemen, that place of reference where we know where we are. Where we know where we are. Let me hurry, but secondly, we must have, we must realize our resource as David did and see God as our only hope. Because if we're in that desert place, if we're in that dry land, we need God more than anything we've got to see that God is our only hope to bring us out of that. Amen? See, the resource was this in, in that first, the first words. I haven't even got to verse 1 yet. I've preached this much on the superscription, the heading of the psalm. But the first, <laughs> this, the first words out of David's mouth in verse 1 were this. He said, O God, Thou art my God, thou art, oh God, thou art my God, you are my God. So the very first thing that David does here in this psalm is acknowledges the presence of God and he realizes this, that even though he's in that thirsty land, he knows that God is there. Even in his spiritual wilderness, ladies and gentlemen, David acknowledged that God was there. Even in his time of persecution and affliction, when he's on the run, when he's going through a difficult time, he realizes God is there. And he knows that, 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 that the Lord is the only one that can help him. I want to say this to you today. You may be going through something. You may be facing that spiritual wilderness in your life but can I tell you, you may not be able to feel Him. You may not be able to sense the presence of God or the Spirit of God but can I tell you, oh come on somebody that He is there. I said He's with you. Oh He is still your God and He is there. David wrote about it in Psalm 139 and he said where can I go from your 
spirit or where can I flee from your spirit, from your presence? He said, if I ascend to heaven, you're there. Well, of course he's there. We know he's there. We know heaven is his throne. The earth is his footstool. We know that if we ascend to heaven, yeah, uh, you know, that goes without saying that he is there. But then he said, if I make my bed in hell, behold, you are there. Can I tell you something today? Praise God for the heavenly times, the blessed times. But when you're going through literal hell in your life, I want to tell you he's still there. I said, I want to tell you he's still there. When you're facing things you don't understand, when you're in the wilderness experiences of life, he's still your God. He's still on the throne. He will not leave you and he will not forsake you. Can somebody give him praise today? He's there. David acknowledges that fact that his God is there, but second, he acknowledges that he's not only present, but he's my God. And this is where we have to go next in our pursuit after God, and that is acknowledging him as our only hope and our only resource in the time of our dryness. We're not going to find our way out of the dry place and out of the wilderness without help from the Lord. He's got to lead us through and He's got to lead us out. We may have gotten into that place of spiritual dryness and weariness by ourselves, but I can tell you this today, Abundant Life, we're not going to get out of that place of dryness and that spiritual wilderness without the help of God. We have to have Him to lead us through. Israel came through that wilderness, but they didn't make it on their own. God led them every step of the way. We've got to understand something today, saints. We need help. We need God's help and God's help alone to get us out of spiritual messes that we get ourselves in. I'm not getting too many amens this morning. We're not going to get out on our own. And I've heard people say, well, you know, I'll get myself out of this. I've got this situation. I've got it. Amen. I like what Sister Charlene said this morning when we prayed for her and we prayed for Courtney. She looked at me and she said, God's got this. Well, praise God. Amen. If God's got it, it's going to work out. And God has got it. You've got to depend on God to bring you through that spiritual dry spell. Amen? We need the help of God, and it's going to take a deliberate act of turning to God and seeking after God and, and, and not just a quick, casual curtsy in an altar somewhere, but a true pursuit of God is our only hope today to have what God has for us and to be what God wants us to be. And I know people are saying, well, Brother Rick, I'm not backslid. I love the Lord I love Jesus. I'm not saying that you are. I'm not saying that anybody here is backslid. But my question that I ask today is this, and this goes into our inventory and our examination of our lives. Are you where you used to be with God? Are we where we one time were with the Lord? Because Jesus talked about a church in Revelation chapter 2, that had left their first love. They had cooled off. They weren't where they one time were in their walk with the Lord in their spiritual 
experience. Has your fervency and zeal and desire for the Lord cooled off? Or are you pursuing Jesus as you one time did? Have you, and it's quiet and it needs to be because we need to be thinking about these things. Have any of us drifted from where we were? See, the Bible talks about, the, 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 the Apostle Paul said in Hebrews 2 and 1, that we must give the more earnest heed to the things we have heard, lest we let them drift, or that we let them slip or drift away. And there are those who have come to a place in their life and their walk with the Lord that they're not where they one time were. And let me tell you something. And that's what this whole psalm is about. When you're in that wilderness, in that dry place, when you've gotten there, when you examine yourself, when you come to that place that you know you need God because you're not where you one time were, you've got to make a resolution. And this is the third thing, and I'll be done. You've got to make that resolution. And if you'll be honest with the Lord, listen, if you'll be honest with the Lord, He will. If you'll say, Lord, where am I at with you? I love you. You know I do. And again, we're not saying that you're backslidden. We're not saying that you're not a Christian. We're not saying that you're not saved. But listen to me. If a person continues to drift in that direction. I've said it before, backsliding is not a blowout, it's a slow leak, it's a drifting. Brother Hank's a fisherman, he went fishing the other night, I believe, didn't you? Did you go? And he went fishing the other night, but you know how it is in a boat. You can get busy fishing, if you're not anchored or tied or something, you, you, you look up in a little while and you're way off from where you were, right? How many ever experienced that? Because you're drifting and you don't realize it. And that's what Paul was talking about in Hebrews 2 and 1. He said there's that danger, there's that tendency. If we don't give an earnest heed to the things we have heard. What's he saying? Follow hard after God. Pursue hard after God. I'm not talking about a salvation by works, ladies and gentlemen. But there has to be a, a place in our heart that, that, we, that we are pursuing diligently after the Lord. And keeping our faith every single day anchored in Christ and what he's done for us at Calvary. He said we've got to take up our cross not once a week on Sunday, not every month, but he said you if you're going to be my disciple, you've got to deny yourself and you've got to take up your cross every single day. It's a daily thing and follow me every single day. What's he talking about? A pursuit of following hard after God and after the things of God. Amen? Earnestly, earnestly, earnestly seeking after God. And that's what David said. Notice this. I'm, I'm trying to close, okay? I've, I've closed once. How many closings do I get? <laughs> I'm circling the runway, okay? I'm bringing, this, I'm bringing this thing in for a landing. But give me a few more minutes. Listen, David David here talks about the importance of this pursuit after God. In verse 1, he said, early will I seek you. Do you see that? He said, God, you are my God. Early, 
early will I seek you. The idea there is not necessarily the hour of the day. It's not necessarily talking about getting up early in the morning, although that is a good habit to have and a good thing to do is to seek God early in those early morning hours before you begin your day. I've had that, I've had that, uh, that, that uh, habit of doing that and that discipline of doing that for many, many years to seek God first thing in the morning. And I encourage you to do that if your schedule allows. But, but I believe that what David is saying here more than the time of day, it also means that that we are to make seeking the Lord our first priority in life. And when he says, early will I seek you, that's what he's saying. Make seeking God your number one priority more than anything. You've got to love him. I'm going to tell you something. Jesus didn't pull any punches about this. Jesus said, you've got to love me more than you love your wife, more than you love your kids, more than you love your mother, more than you love your father, more than you love anybody else. You've got to love me more. If you love your job more than you love Jesus, there's something wrong. If you love somebody more than you love Jesus and put them before Jesus there's something wrong here's the pursuit that he's saying you've got to put Jesus has got to be first and foremost in your life above everything else and he even said that very thing in Matthew 6 he said seek ye what seek ye somebody help me preach seek ye first seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness That's got to be our first priority. God's got to be number one. And that priority has got to be sought earnestly. He said, early will I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. There's got to be an earnestness in this pursuit. Several other translations translate that first verse where he says, early will I seek you. As earnestly I will seek you. I will seek you with my whole being. It means, Lord, I can't get enough of you. My soul thirsts for you. My whole body. This is what David said. My whole body, my entire being longs for you in a parched and weary land where there is No water. It's a spiritual thirst for the things of God. Ladies and gentlemen, worship team, you can make your way back. Here's the thing, saints. Here's the thing. There's too many. And I'm not here to judge your walk, your experience with the Lord or where you're at with God. That's between you and the Lord. And you have to make that examination and that inventory. But there's too many people today that are not thirsting after God. Amen? The only time, and there's many, the only time they ever even think about Him is on a Sunday morning from 10.30 to 12, and it better be 12, or they're checking out. Huh? If you check out at noon on Sunday here, you're going to stay checked out most of the time. Amen? But there's 